So many of us wish we can make the world a better place, but don't know where to begin. The vision of the Love Offering is to encourage and embolden a generation to do something to manifest the better world we want to see. First, by filling ourselves up with the love of Jesus Christ, and then pouring it out to the world around us. When we hear stories of how others have loved well, where they are, with the gifts that they've been given, it inspires and motivates us to do the same. Together, we can change the world one love offering at a time in thanksgiving to God, who is the most extraordinary giver of all. Michelle is a wife and mom of three awesome kids. When she is not chasing her kids or homeschooling, she writes books, speaks at conferences and women's events, and blogs. She is often writing in the middle of the mess and chaos of everyday life and looking for the gospel in the mundane. In her downtime, you can find her curled up with coffee and a good book, loving on her people, teaching Bible study, working in her home church, and longing to be at the beach. Michelle has been writing and speaking for four years, authoring six books and resources to date. She loves speaking to women about God's Word and how to engage in it for themselves. Michelle is a contributing writer for A Wife Like Me, Thrive Moms, and more. She is a recovering perfectionist, messmaker, and redeemed woman. God is authoring a story in her life, a story that isn't always pretty. God has called her to reach women with the gospel. It has been her greatest joy and deepest challenge to walk this calling. Without further ado, here's Michelle. Hello, Michelle. Hey. Hey, thanks for being my guest today on the Love Offering Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. We actually first met through your Displaying Grace ministry, but actually got to meet in person at She Speaks this year. So what does the She Speaks conference and community of women mean to you personally? Uh, I love, I cannot say enough good things. Like I love She Speaks so much because when I first started out writing, I did not have a community here locally. I didn't know any other writers. I was sort of new and lost to the writing world. And uh, when I, the first year I went to She Speaks was like four years ago. And when I walked away, I had so many new friends and people who were cheering for me and encouraging me and feeding into my ministry and what God was doing in my life. And so the community for me has been vital to um, pressing in and continuing the work that God's called me to. And She Speaks really gives me uh, tools and equips me to continue working in new ways because the ministry grows year after year and things change and there's new things happening. And so they are able to speak into what I'm doing and really help me take some next steps. So it's really important for my ministry. Yeah. Uh, and I would echo all that you just said, just attending twice. Uh, So you call yourself a recovering perfectionist, a mess maker, (laughs) and a redeemed woman. So what leads you to identify yourself under each of these titles? So I'm a recovering perfectionist daily. I feel like I need to add that every day. It's a constant, (laughs) it's a constant battle every day because I want to do all things well, and I want to do all things right. And Mm. it's, I can give myself such a hard time when I fall short or if I miss the mark or my own mark um, that I've set for myself and I can give myself such, such flack for that. 
And so I have to remind myself every day that what I have set for myself is not what God requires. And Mm -hmm. so in this recovery process, um, being reminded that my mess is okay, um, that my uh, imperfections are useful in God's hands and, you know, being a redeemed woman, God just radically changed my life. And, you know, he changed everything about me. He turned my whole world upside down. Um, I actually shared my testimony with my Bible study ladies last night and uh, just saying things out loud, how God changed me. And, you know, I um, was an alcoholic and I really struggled with alcohol addiction and I really struggled with, um, you know, living a life that was just headed down a path of destruction. And it was such a dark place in my life when God saved me and he changed everything about my world. Like he turned my world completely upside down. And so I am more than happy to identify myself as a redeemed woman because I know who I was and I know who God is continuing to make me um, become who he's turning me into. And so those three things really are who I am. Um, they really define well, just my life, (laughs) um, and how I live every single day with three kids and homeschooling and, um, just trying to, uh, serve the Lord and reach women who need to hear the same things that I heard. Mm, Amen. You are quoted to say that your ministry is in the middle of the mess Mm -hmm. and chaos of everyday life. So this is probably the reality of most women listening today. (laughs) So how have you been able to find the gospel in the mundane and the routine? You know, it's so funny because when you say that, and I think of um, like this morning we cleaned out, we have a shoe basket underneath, um, like where we keep the mail and things. Mm -hmm. And I dumped it out this morning and there was, I'm I'm not even joking when I said there's probably 50 socks, dirty (laughs) socks. Like there they are. Like piled (laughs) in the middle of my kitchen floor. And that is just that it was such a picture of this is, (laughs) this is just my life. And, you know, so I'm, you know, doing all of these things in the middle of the chaos and dealing with the kids and just everyday life. Uh, But, you know, I've learned that the gospel meets me in the middle of that. Jesus meets me in the middle of that. You know, when things may not be going perfectly, they may not be going right. They may not um, be what I think they should be. He is there in the middle. He is in the midst of just the everyday. And he's asking me to be faithful. And he is asking me to be obedient in the small things. You know, scripture says um, those who are um, faithful with the little things, God will grant much to them. And so I want to be faithful in the small things because I want him to trust me with the big things too. And so being in the middle of just the everyday, you know, cooking breakfast and doing school or, you know, driving the van wherever on earth these kids need to go, (laughs) you know, just in the middle of all of that and being faithful to the small things that God's called me to that he'll trust me with the big things. And so he meets me in the middle of all of that and says, you know, I've got your back and, and he's there. I can lean on him when I need it. Um, And he's just speaking peace to my heart when things feel really chaotic and crazy. 
it reminds me too of the verse, um, and I can't quite think exactly where it is, but do everything for the one, yes. for the glory of the one who made you yes. do all things, right. you know, no matter if it's the socks or the carpool or exactly. the cooking that we, it's all for him. And, um, it's such a good reminder because I think we all find ourselves in that place of it. Does any of this matter? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> the way that I'm spending my time. Yeah. Does the overflowing dishes in the sink, you know, the fact that I have to stand here for an hour and deal mm-hmm. with them. Does this, does this really matter? Is this mm-hmm. really important uh, work mm-hmm. for the gospel, for the kingdom of God? And the answer is always, yes, it is. Mm-hmm. It's important yeah. work. Yeah. Well, you also believe the gospel can heal restore and meet us in all things. What leads you to believe this? You know, I think um, a lot of times, especially in Christianity today, we think that the gospel is just for our salvation and salvation alone. And we know that the gospel is for all things. It's not just for our salvation, but it's what keeps us in Christ. It is what continues to uh, push us forward. And so I do believe that it can heal and restore and it can meet us in all things. I believe it can change us to our very core. And, you know, when I say heal, you know, a lot of times we want things in our time and in our way, and it doesn't always look like that with God. That may not be his plan and his intention. Um, I'm an anxiety sufferer. And so, you know, the idea of healing is, Oh, God's going to take this away from me. He's going to remove this, from me. Um, but that's not been the case for me. He, Mm. this is something that I have dealt with since I was a teenager. And, you know, when, when I say heal, I mean, God is going to meet me in the middle of this and he's going to use this. The gospel is going to meet me here, um, in the middle of the things that I cannot control. And so I always, I'm always reminded of, um, what Paul says, um, and I think, believe it's second Corinthians twelve nine when he talks about this thorn in the flesh that he has, and he has begged God to remove it from him. He asks three times and God's response is my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. And so I believe the gospel meets us in our weakness and provides strength that we can't on our own. And so I believe that the gospel can meet us in all things everything, even the, you know, even going back to the mundane things or the big things, things that just feel um, chaotic or crazy in our lives. The gospel is there for all of that too. Mm, That is so good. Well, as I mentioned earlier, you have a ministry called Displaying Grace and your heart within this ministry is to encourage women to thrive in their walks with Jesus and share the gospel of Christ. And you say, whatever your season your mess mm-hmm. is welcome at Displaying yes. Grace. I love that. So what was what was the inspiration behind your ministry? You know, why did it first begin? So I've always wrestled with my testimony. Um, I was always so fearful to share my past, my story, um, just for the fear of what people would think about me, um, that it would change their opinion of me, whatever it might be. And so over the years, God has just sort of washed that out of me and given me boldness to just share my story because it's the work that he did in my life. And so, you know, five years ago when I was really wondering, okay, Lord, what is it that you are asking of me? What is it that you want me to do? And I was reading and I was reading about the story of the blind man and the disciples asked God, why, you know, why is this man blind? What, you know, what did, 
his parents do? How did they sin that he would end up this way? And Jesus's response just never, ever left me. And his response to them was, it's none of those things. It's so that the works of God may be displayed. And so that is where displaying grace came from is so that the works of God would be displayed. So what God did in my life, what he's doing in the lives of women that uh, we work with every day, um, it's all of it is so that the works of God may be displayed. All the whole ministry is centered around that one thing, because in all things we want to glorify him, because when we glorify him, he is seen above all else. And so we're really working to um, reach women with the gospel and to help them just thrive in the middle of life and to be in his word every day. And so that is really our goal and our purpose and there's a lot of things that we want to do with that in the future as God, you know, allows and opens doors, if that's his plan. Your displaying grace partner is Jessica Harless. Yes. Did I pronounce right? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So together you all um, also have the displaying grace yes. podcast to equip women to thrive with their walk with Jesus every day. And you talk about things like marriage and motherhood and, and being in God's word. So how did you two begin in ministry with one another? I love this. Um, I love this story and I love her. Um, she's like my sister and um, we've been friends for a very long time. And, you know, as we've just done life together, that's just what we've done um, since our kids were very, very small. And, you know, God opened a, my heart and really s- showed me that I needed, um, I needed someone else to join me in this. This was not um, my ministry alone, uh, but that I needed to invite other women into it as well. And so God really put her on my heart. And it was sort of funny when I communicated to her that God had put this on my heart. She sort of like looked at me funny. <laughs> um, and then God began to deal with her and show her that, you know, with her own story, she had something to offer women um, that they really needed to hear. And so we teamed up and she's been writing for Displaying Grace. And we started the podcast just to have some real conversations about life and uh, what it means to do this Christian life every day. And so it's been fun. So you also recently released a book titled Holy Mess. Yes. And most women have probably called themselves a mess at one time or Absolutely. another. I have multiple times. So why do you think that women have this pressure to feel like we have it all together and especially we as Christian women. Well, I'll tell you um, a little bit of backstory to the book and how um, it sort of got started. You know, it all really goes back to my testimony when I, after I um, gave my heart and life to Christ and started going to church, I was looking at the women around me and I thought, oh man, I am not like these women. Mm. Um, They're perfect and they read their Bibles every day and they know how to pray and they know, um, you know, they go, they go to Bible study and their kids are really well behaved. And I thought, this is just not me. And so what I was seeing on the outside was a perfection that wasn't a reality on their inside. 
Um, you know, because as I began to interact with these women and get to know these women, I realized that they're broken just like I am. And, you know, so I, I know I'm not the only, um, person who has walked into a church and felt that way where they look at a perception. Um, they, they believe that we have it all together and that we're all perfect when we're really not, um, we're really just a body of broken people that Jesus has redeemed and changed. And so it really um, became important to me to um, not hold up the banner of perfection and to really share my mess in my life uh, so that others would see, Hey, she doesn't have it all figured out and she's not perfect. And so, you know, then Jesus will love me too. And that's why I wrote Holy Mess, because we looked at the women of scripture throughout the book and we see, you know, prostitutes, we see broken women, sinful women. We see the, a woman that was created by God's hands. Uh, you know, we see all of them. They all come with their own set of mess, but God still uses them. He still loves them. He still has a place for them. And so I really felt that message was there for that women need. They need to hear that if he can do something with these women, then he can do something with me and give them hope um, beyond their mess. Mm -hmm. And I loved, um, you know, the, the hot mess hashtag on Instagram. Yeah. You had like uh-huh. 1.1 million hashtags used. Wow. And wow. so it just goes to show how much we've identified with the mess in our lives. And, you know, the title Holy Mess, yes, it was a play on that, but it also is like the equation of what God brings to the table and what we bring to the table. You know, just because he brings the holy, he saves us, he changes us, he does the work in us, doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. We're still going to be a mess. We're still going to fall short. But what matters is the holy. The holy is what meets us in the middle of all of that. And it's, he uses it for his glory. And so I wanted something that was really going to resonate with women and something that they would really be able to identify with. Yeah. And it does absolutely that. I've actually read this. I was a part of your, your yes. holy mess launch team and um, it does exactly that. So, but I, I think what you were just talking about segues into the issue of the social media world. Right. It, I mean, the, the reality is, is all of these perfection things are just a mirage. They're just images and we don't want people to see our messes. No, we do not. So, so how, how are you changing that narrative? You know, it's so funny because I have to remind myself every single day, you know, I, I have a uh, business degree in marketing background. And so I'm all about pretty pictures and pretty images. And I have to remind myself that I need to share the real and the messy. And I think we all have to do that. We all have to remind ourselves on a daily basis to share the real and the messy. And so I try and let people into the chaos of my everyday, uh, sharing my kids, sharing my family. Um, I oftentimes will share (laughs) the pile of laundry that's been sitting there for three or four days. (laughs) Um, It's all clean. It's just, you know, in baskets. Not folded. (laughs) But it's clean. It's clean. Um, You know, just even in my anxiety and frustration or 
just some things that I'm wrestling with and dealing with. Um, my hope is that I can always be honest about those things on social media and not be so concerned about numbers. You know, we tend to not share the messy and the um, everyday things because they don't earn you likes on Instagram. Um, They just don't. And we have to remember, it's not about numbers. It's about the one woman who needs to see that you are real. And she needs to see that she is not alone in this life that she is walking through. And that the gospel, if the gospel meets you in the middle of the pile of laundry that's still sitting there after four days, that it's going to meet her at the kitchen table where she's struggling with her marriage or she's struggling with her kids. And so it's really important that we share the real things as well as the pretty things. And so I'm trying to do that. And it's a daily reminder, um, not just for myself, but, you know, that we remind others too. you know, let's be real with each other and let's share real life together because that's what matters in the end. So that's what I'm trying to do. And, you know, it's a lot harder than it sounds. Mm, <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's a lot harder than it sounds in um, a social media driven world. But on the same hand, you know, when we are scrolling through social media constantly, um, when we're scrolling through Facebook, when we're scrolling through Instagram, and we see pretty picture after pretty picture after pretty picture, then we start to think we're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. I know I do. Yeah. Um, if I see pictures of someone's beautiful living room all put together so nicely, and then I look at mine and my kids have thrown the pillows all over the floor and no blankets are folded and we can't find the remote control <laughs> and there's like a dish under the chair, you know, I feel really bad about myself and Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm doing something wrong, but that's not the reality of what's happening on the other side of her photo. And so we just have to be reminded all the time that, that social media really is not the absolute and it's not um, a a perfect picture of what's really happening in someone else's life. Yeah. And I think it almost just sets us up for failure and these unrealistic expectations. And as you're talking, I'm just thinking about, you know, even, even not, not just social media, but just in real life, if we always, you know, tell everybody, yeah, we're doing good. Yeah, we're doing fine. And we never truly let anybody in there's, Mm -hmm. it's all surface level. Right. You know, we're never, we're, there's, our relationships are never going to get to any amount of depth. And I mm-hmm. think something you said was we all just sort of want to know, like, I'm not alone in this, right. <laughs> you know, like yeah. you get, you, you, you have these feelings too. And when mm-hmm. somebody says they do, it just, I don't know, it does something for our soul, doesn't it? It does. It does. Yeah. And, you know, you know, even in my own story and my own testimony, um, you know, before I came to know the Lord, I was really struggling um, with a lot of things that I was really hurting, but I never let anyone in and I never mm-hmm. shared. And so I know that if I was that way, uh, with the people that were closest to me, then there's other women who are out there scrolling through social media who are hurting deeply and they're not sharing with anyone. And so I always try and remember that too, uh, that that was a place that I was in before I came to know Christ. And so, 
it's just something we just have to be reminded of that on a daily basis and, and just remembering that what they're displaying isn't always the truth. Um, And we can't let that, you know, weigh us down and, you know, make us feel less than or unworthy or unloved, you know? Yeah. So back to your book. So in Holy Mess, you use women of scripture to reveal how the gospel can change even the greatest messes into beautiful lives for his glory. And you say, if God can change the woman of the Bible or the women of the Bible, mm-hmm. then he can transform us. Yeah. So what advice would you give to the woman listening who feels a sense of hopelessness over past mistakes or her losses or wounds that um, she has in her life or even the woman that feels not enough or too much? And I know that's a loaded question. Sorry. That's a lot. <laughs> it is a loaded question, but I like it. Um, you know, the one thing that I wish someone had said to me early on, um, was just this very simple, simple truth that Jesus loves you right where you are. Mm -hmm. He loves you right where you are. And I wish that someone had told me that truth, uh, long before I ever heard it, because I feel like it would have saved me a lot of pain and a lot of hurt, um, but he does, he loves us right where he, where, where we are, but he loves us enough to not let us stay there. Yeah. And there's hard work that comes with being pulled out of the middle of our darkness, but Jesus can do the hard work. Mm-hmm. He can meet us in the middle of anything Um, You know, even after I came to know the Lord, we faced a lot of heavy things in darkness. We had a lot of loss. I lost my dad. Suddenly we had miscarriages. I buried a brother. Um, We faced a lot of hurt and even struggles in our marriage. But Jesus never failed to be in the middle of those things with us. And Nothing in this world or in this life is going to give us any hope. Only Jesus will. Because all of this, all of this is temporary. The pain is temporary. This world is temporary. This life is temporary. But Jesus is eternal. He is our eternity. He is our hope. And there's something about knowing that there is hope beyond this life beyond this circumstance, beyond this pain that gives so much freedom um, in my heart and in my mind that I can look at the situation and I can say, this is temporary, but Jesus is forever. Um, And so I think for the woman who is hurting and who feels without hope, just that he loves you right where you are and that you are seen. We oftentimes in our hurt feel invisible, uh, but we need to remember that we are seen. He sees us in the middle of that. And he says, I'm here. I'm right here in the middle of it with you. Just reach out for me, cry out for me, call out to me. Um, You know, there've been plenty of times where I had, I didn't even know what to pray. I didn't know what to ask. All I could do was just cry and just call his name. Because he knew what I needed and he knew where I was hurting 
and he provided unexplainable peace in the middle of all of those things. And so there is hope when it feels like there is none, there is. And so I would encourage um, any woman who feels that way to reach out to um, a trusted friend who um, knows the Lord. If you don't, you can reach out to me. You can reach out to, um, to you, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And, um, and we'd be more than happy to talk with you and pray with you and share hope with you. Um, But to reach out to someone and have a conversation as hard as it might be, um, but someone who will understand and who will be able to show you Jesus. Uh, I think that's so important. That's all so beautiful and all so true. I couldn't agree with you more. And as you were talking about that truth of that Jesus loves us exactly how we are and for who we are and where we are, that just the freedom that comes from that, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and as we go back to even sort of some of the beginning of our conversation about being perfectionistic, because that's describes me as well. And it's freedom for me to say, I don't have to strive or earn or do anything to earn the love of Christ. And that just gives me a sigh of relief, doesn't Mm -hmm. it? And just relieve so much pressure. It does. We're feeling. Yeah. We don't have to perform for him. Um, We don't have to put on our best uh, for him to love us more. We don't have to um, do amazing, incredible things for him to love us more. He loves us right where we are. Even when Mm -hmm. we fall short and do things or say things that we shouldn't, he still loves us in the middle of that. And, and that, that's such a, um, incredible truth because I feel like a lot of women think that they have to perform for Jesus in order for him to love them. And I think it's what the culture has ingrained in us that we have to perform for praise Mm -hmm. and he's not after that. And, and I think that's something that's so freeing for us. We don't have to perform for him, for him to love us. And the world is the total opposite. Yes. (laughs) Yes, it is. Yeah. So back to your book again, I keep taking us off course, but this conversation is so good, but I guess it all, it's, it's all encompassing. It all, it all goes, it all goes together. It it all goes hand in hand. So you, you tackle the everyday messes. Yes. The messes we make, the messes we cannot control and the beautiful mess God creates in us, well, creates is us through Christ so that we can and will display his grace. Yes. So again, I'm asking you a loaded question. Would you elaborate a bit on all of these various types of messes? Absolutely. Um, so the messes are everyday messes. Uh, huh. Listen, I can wake up on Monday with the greatest of intentions <laughs> yeah. and they fail me every single time. Mm. Um, I can find myself yelling at my kids, getting mad at my husband, getting frustrated with work, uh, whatever it might be. Those are our everyday messes. That's just the everyday things that we find ourselves in. Um, and then you have messes that we make. We are sinful by nature. And so we're going to mess up we're going to sin, we're going to fall short. And so I love that um, we can look at women like Eve 
and the sinful woman. And we can see what God does with mistakes and what he does with our sin. And, you know, even perfection, it's a mess that we make every single day trying to measure up and trying to be perfect. And my BFF Martha from scripture, (laughs) she's the, she is the absolute example of what happens when we try and have it all together. And so those are just some of the messes that we make. And then, you know, we live in a world where it feels like there's messes that we can't control happening all around us, like grief and rejection, and then seasons of waiting seasons, whether we're waiting for um, a relationship, we're waiting for healing, we're waiting for a job, whatever it might be. Those are messes that we have zero control over. And so we meet some women in in scripture who are walking through those things and we see how God meets us in the middle of the seasons that we cannot control. Um, And then the mess God makes in us is my favorite because he takes all of those things, our everyday messes, um, the messes we can't control, the messes that we make, and he transforms us and he changes us. So Um, In the book, we talk about obedience and transformation and devotion, and we talk about courage and we talk about prayer and we talk about all of those things that really are a part of our spiritual walk and um, how God meets us in the middle of all of those things and uses those for his glory and to change our lives. So what do you think? it means to be a woman radically changed by the gospel because that that is your tagline of your book yes, it is so, um, so how has your your life specifically um been radically changed so when i was trying to come up with a tagline for the book and i i probably went through 45 different taglines <laughs> yeah uh, because it's probably harder than coming up with a title Uh, But I really wanted something that would um, be all encompassing and really explain uh, how these women, how these women affect us, what this picture is that, that God is painting with them. And he really is painting what it means to be radically changed, what it means to live that out every single day from, 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 for God to move us from death to life, from, um, from death to a new creation it's a, it's a picture of that. And so that was the intention of, um, the ti- the subtitle would really encompass that. And so for a woman to be radically changed, it is to be moved from death to life. It is for us to go from, um, a life of sinfulness to a changed life. That's a surrendered life, a life that has been given to the Lord. And so, you know, I mentioned earlier some things that I dealt with before um, I gave my heart and life to Christ and the dark place that I was in. And so for me, I went from a woman that was really walking in darkness to a woman that was living in light. And it didn't mean that when I surrendered my life to Christ, it was all super easy and um, letting go of my addictions was super easy. It just means that I had someone in my corner who was strengthening me and giving me the ability to walk away from those things. And so, you know, a woman who is radically changed, she knows where she was. She's seen what God can do and has done in her life when she surrenders it all to him. 
And then she's walking in freedom. She's walking forward in freedom. It may not be perfect and Mm -hmm. it won't be perfect. Life won't be all unicorns, rainbows, and sunshine. Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately. It just won't, unfortunately. (laughs) Um, He doesn't promise any, any of that to us, but he does say that he's going to walk this life with us. And then sometimes he will carry us if he has to. And so that is what a a woman who has been radically changed. That's what her life looks like. Um, She is fully surrendered to the Lord and she is fully sold out to what he has for her. So this podcast catalyzes and celebrates extraordinary givers and thinking about your book and your ministry, uh, I realize how important it is to receive God's gift of grace yes, as well as give grace to ourselves. Mm-hmm. So as much as I believe we are to love others, we can't give something that we don't first have ourselves. Yes. How do you recommend women finally find freedom and security? love that's such a good question um you know I think when we put ourselves last all the time we put people we put everyone else first we put our kids first we put our husbands first our jobs first whatever it might be we put all of those things first and we always put ourselves on the back burner and I think when we do that it's it also plays out in how we view our relationship with God and how we see his love for us. And sometimes it can feel, we can feel unlovable and we can feel not worth loving. And so, you know, when we um, extend grace to others and when we extend grace to ourselves, it's a direct reminder of what God does for us, that he pours out grace on us. Grace upon grace, upon grace. Mm. And, you know, scripture says his mercy, it's new every day. His Mm. mercy is new every single day. And so we need to be um, resting in that. We need to rest in the fact that he's not requiring perfection from us. He's not requiring performance and he is not requiring us to do a million things in a day. But he wants us to rest in his word. He wants us to rest in the finished work of the gospel and rest in the love that he has for us. So that means, you know, in the middle of all the things that are happening in our everyday life, when life gets crazy, you're in the carpool line picking up kids or your desk is filled with paper and work and to-do lists that things that need to be done and your life feels very chaotic. He says, rest in me, rest with me and rest in his love. And so I think that it's so important that we stop and really think about the grace and the mercy and the love of God. And I think it quiets our hearts and it quiets our minds from the chaos and it gives us a taste of freedom. Um, and so, you know, let us just rest in grace, give ourselves a little bit of, of extra grace and stop pushing so hard. I'm a pusher. Like I'm super high functioning. Um, I'm, I can do all sorts of things at once. I can, you know, have four or five to-do lists going at one time. I'm a very high functioning person until I'm not. (laughs) until until I crash Mm -hmm. and I'm worn out and I'm burned out and 
life feels out of control. It happens. It happened, (laughs) happened a few weeks ago. Um, you know, when things start to catch up with you, but that's when I have to come back to giving myself grace and reminding myself that God poured out enough grace for me, for my salvation, for my life. He gives me new mercy every single day. And so I should extend it to myself as well. And there's so much freedom in that. There's so much freedom in that. It's not saying I'm not going to do the things that he's called me to do, but it is saying I'm going to take care of myself because I only get one shot at this body that he's given. And I'm going to extend some grace where it's needed and I'm going to extend rest where it's needed. How can we love others well who may think that they are a mess, which is for all of us, <laughs> I think. Yes. Um, and, and even in our own messiness. So I think we can love people well by being real. Mm-hmm. Um, be real. Be authentic. Be who you are. Um, don't try and be something that you're not because you think it's what other people want. Oh, I feel like just stepping all over my own toes when I said that out loud. (laughs) Don't be what other people (laughs) think you should be. Um, Be who God made you to be and be real and be honest. And I think one of the worst mistakes that we can make, especially as women, especially in the culture that we live in, is when we do not acknowledge um, our sister in Christ when she is feeling this way. If we do not um, sympathize or empathize or come alongside her, we are not doing her or us any favors. I feel like God calls us to walk alongside each other and be honest about the things that are happening in our lives. And, you know, if we see um, a sister in Christ who is struggling with her mess or dealing with um, something specifically hard or difficult, you know, we can come alongside her and try and help, or we can be an ear to listen without judgment and, um, pray for her and help if we can in some way, um, fold each other's laundry, whatever it might be. (laughs) You know, as, as just reflecting on everything that we've talked about today, we keep calling ourselves a mess. I mean, like you said earlier, the hashtags, I mean, they're everywhere. Yeah. They're on t-shirts. They're, you know, like we, but God never called us that. Uh-uh. I mean, he, in fact, he called us the exact opposite. Right. He said that, I mean, he created us in his image and we are his workmanship and God doesn't make messes. Right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Even though we're sinful, but it's like, why have we started owning this? Like yes. we are, you know, it's I, I, not I, a title we were ever meant to claim. No. And so we need to stop claiming it. And so I love that you're giving us a new title that we, that we're holy. Like yes. we, we it be, but because of him, I guess in our own selves, we, we in, in our, ourselves. in our own efforts and <laughs> our own selves, we're a hot disaster, but with Christ, yeah. we yeah. are a holy and we are redeemed and changed. And it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Well, so how can listeners keep in contact with you? Because I know they're going to want to after hearing you today. So they can find me at displayinggrace.com. That is our blog and our shop. And I am on social media. I'm on Instagram at displayinggrace. And you can find us on Facebook at displaygrace. It's so goofy how Facebook works. (laughs) Well, Michelle, thank you so much for 
your authenticity and um, just sharing sharing real life and the messes that you have been a part of, whether you have made them or they're the messes you couldn't control or the everyday ones, but the fact that God has created a beautiful mess in yes. you and that he can do that with all of us. So, yes, and thank you for your, your grace and um, all that you display. So I, I appreciate you taking the time to be with us and encourage us today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. All right. God bless you. You too. The Love Offering was created to inspire us to intentionally seek ways to share God's love with a world often marked by the opposite. God gives us His love so freely. He simply asks that we believe in Him and that we share His love with others. The hope of the Love Offering is that it starts a chain reaction of loving service that points people to Him. It is a pure-hearted, servant-minded approach to living. So where does God have you? Who has He surrounded you with? What stirs your heart? Start there. No act is too big or too small. Let's spur one another on as we share God's love in tangible ways and change the world one love offering at a time.